You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with our very special guest, Victoria Cohen from the Almonds and Asana blog, as well as the co-host of a podcast that I really enjoyed being on, Discover Your Inner Awesome, uh, with her co-host, of course, Rajiv Nathan, who you've heard on the podcast. I'm really excited to get to chat with Victoria after we met out in Chicago, and uh, I'm excited to hear where things go today, Victoria. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on. You are very welcome. It's been a long time coming, and I I wanted to frame things for everybody because you said something very interesting when Mm -hmm. we met in Chicago and we recorded an episode of Discover Your Inner Awesome, and you had said that after this past election that you really were looking to do more, uh, yep. you know, without getting too, without getting too political and, and you're welcome yeah. to talk about whatever issues you'd like to, to speak about. Um, sure. That's, that's absolutely what this platform is for. Uh, that's why I think podcasts are so important because you get to connect with, with, uh, so many people out there and try to get the word about 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 the things that uh, you care about. So mm-hmm. I, I'd like to definitely do that today. I wanted to frame it for people and tell uh, a little bit of your story before we sure. kind of get into uh, what you were what you say on your website about inspiring activism through mm-hmm. both food and yoga, which I think is is a really great approach. But I wanted to ask you: you were a engineer. Uh, I was. Yeah, you were an engineer (laughs) at uh, PepsiCo, and could you could you tell me about your past life? Which uh, yeah, I I I was surprised to hear that. I'll have to say. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people are, and it's it's really interesting. And I can speak more to this uh, as we dig in. But it's. I've been, I, I switched out of that life, <laughs> that, um, that engineering, whatever, you know, corporate life a little over a year ago, but I still have a really hard time at this point. Um, now that I'm a full-time yoga teacher and blogger and podcast co-host and all of these different things, I have a hard time, um, not also saying, and I used to be a, because, you know, it's sort of like this, this qualifier, but yeah, so my background, I studied engineering, um, in college. I actually got a, a master's in it as well. And, uh, for the most part, it was sort of operations research and systems engineering. So very much just, um, problem solving. Um, and so I went to work for Pepsi for about five years in supply chain. So solving the problems of product supply and demand. And it was really interesting. I worked on a lot of really cool um, projects. Honestly, in the moment, I guess they didn't seem that cool, but thinking back on them, they were cool. But um, ultimately, after a few years of doing that, I switched over to a role in marketing just because um, I, I felt like trying something new. I had absolutely no background in it, but uh, figured, hey, I could probably, you know, figure out how to do it. So I did that for a year. And also while that was interesting and I learned a lot, ultimately at the end of the year, as I was coming up on um, a really great offer to promote and move on and take on more responsibility, I just really, I didn't want it. Like I didn't want to do it. (laughs) And so that was uh, a year and a half ago. So um, 
uh, I guess 20, 2015, yeah-ish. Um, or no, 2016. Gosh, I have no idea what year it even is. <laughs> that happens to the best but, of yeah. us. Yeah, so that was in like October uh, or September of 2016. And so I left my job Two weeks later, we moved condos. We had lived in one, sold one, renovated it. My my husband and I moved into a new one, and we got married a week after that. So it was like all of these crazy life changes at once. And then we came back from uh, you know from getting married and and everything. And I, I started picking up on my my you know new yoga career. And I didn't really have a set plan in mind of exactly what this new life was going to look like. I just knew I wanted to teach yoga, and I didn't want to do that specific corporate gig anymore. So I started teaching and I picked up a bunch of classes and that was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And then, and then I kind of got into the groove of it and I found that like I had all these big chunks of free time and I didn't, I didn't really know what to do with them. (laughs) And so I started getting a little bit antsy and then, uh, the election happened and unfortunately I was not happy with the result. Um, and I really woke up the next morning, like super upset. And for like multiple days, I was really upset and just very negative and, um, yeah, sad. And at one point my husband kind of said, you know, I get it. You're sad, but like do something about it. Like, I don't want to just hear you complain, like do something. There's so many things you can do, like pick something and do it. And so in my head, of course I was like, Oh boy, I guess this means I need to be a Senator. Like I need to figure out how to like be Like, you know, you have that moment where like, okay, well, I have to do the biggest thing. And that became really overwhelming. I didn't actually go on any sort of path of becoming a senator. But but in my head, I was like, well, actually, no, that's kind of a lie. I did talk to a couple of friends about the fact that I've always been interested in politics. And I always, you know, liked the idea of getting involved. I was really into like model United Nations in high school and, you know, and um, geopolitics and all of that. So I had spoken about it to a couple of people just in passing that, you know, I wanted to get more involved and I didn't know what that meant, but maybe it was something political. And a friend of mine, um, had recently heard about this consulting agency called Rodham Consulting. And Yes, it was named after Hillary Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton. It was a group of women in Chicago with backgrounds in law and in politics and like running political campaigns who had planned, actually, before the election happened, they had planned to create this consulting agency to help women, you know, um, down new political paths because they thought, oh, once Hillary gets elected, all of these women are going to want to be politicians and there needs to be, you know, a a consulting agency to help Uh, you know, push that forward. Well, she didn't become president, but ironically, still tons of women. I know there's some, there's a crazy fact out there about how many more women are now looking to run for office, you know, post-election. Anyway, so this consulting agency more than ever now, right, is, um, is, is super relevant. And so I sort of hooked up with them and I, I went to a couple of their events just to sort of hear other women speak. And ultimately I kind of realized, all right, maybe this isn't the path I want to go on, but Hey, this is like really interesting and important work that a lot of these women and, you know, women, men, whatever are doing to just be more involved. Like there's this clear wake up call for, me and it seems like a lot of other people to do something. And for a lot of people, it's not realistic to say that that's something you're going to do is to be a politician. Um, and, and you might just not even be interested in it. But what I started to realize was that there's lots of little things I can do. 
And so, for instance, um, climate change, it's super scary and very overwhelming, but it also it's hard to understand when you're just a regular person going through life, like, what can I do about it? You know, I'm not going to stop showering. Um, I'm not going to, you know, like stop ever using my car. You know, there's certain things that like you think of as the, the, the main things you would do. And, and those all feel really overwhelming. So then you end up just not doing them. So what I got to thinking was, well, maybe I could start a blog where, um, the topics are the things that I'm passionate about. So food, cooking and yoga, and maybe I can incorporate this layer a little bit deeper down that's about action and how to take steps in your life, um, mainly through food and yoga, to just be a more active and engaged, um, thoughtful, uh, related person in your community and in you know the greater um, the greater good that you care about. So for me, again, referencing back to climate change. I decided that my recipes were all going to focus a lot more on sustainable eating. So I cut out red meat. I cut out dairy. I'm very particular about what kind of fish I eat. Um, I try to be conscious about uh, the produce that I choose. Um, so all of those things. And then I speak a lot in my recipes to reducing waste. So you know, how can you reuse certain things? How are, how can you get better about freezing things? <laughs> I was like terrible at using my freezer. Now I'm really good at that. So all of these little things that we can do that have big impacts down the road. Um, and then from the yoga standpoint, you know, there, all of yoga is about being mindful and, and being a little more connected where that has really gone for me in the action standpoint is using, um, partnerships, you know, um, UNICEF has this really cool event that I got to teach at that promotes, um, movement for kids, at, through this like power band, it's kind of like a Fitbit for kids, but it, um, they accumulate points through doing exercise like yoga. And then those points unlock, uh, nutrition kits for kids in, you know, uh, countries that don't have access to, to food. Um, so that's one thing in yoga. Another thing is just supporting brands that have, um, that, you know, produce, clothing that is made out of recycled materials or that give back in some sort of way. So anyways, that's my how I kind of got to where I am um, and how Almonds and Asana, my blog, is sort of my platform at this point for being my own, you know, documenting my own journey in discovering this. Like I am far from being a, you know, a, a perfect at any of it, but it's a learning process for me. And so I figured, well, while I'm on the process of learning how I can be more active, you know, maybe it would be helpful to share this with other people. I could so, not yeah. agree more that it is <laughs> so important to share. And uh, I'm, I, I'm very hopeful that mm -hmm. more women and more people in general will just get involved in politics because Absolutely. it really needs to happen if we want to make yeah. changes going forward. And, and you've brought us to a great point in the story. And, and I'd love to uh, talk a little bit, of course, and give people a primer of how they can eat a little bit more sustainably, both mm -hmm. sustainably in the sense of their own health, where they can Absolutely. sustain this lifestyle, and then also sustainably for the planet, which is very important. And uh, I want to, of course, point out, I'm sure the listeners have picked up on this, that you used to work for PepsiCo. And yeah. did I did I see somewhere that you actually worked on the Naked product, uh, product uh, from 
Pepsi. Are you responsible? Were you the one who engineered <laughs> all that sugar in the green machine? Can we talk about the green machine for a second? I didn't. And no diss on Pepsi. Like, I mean, ultimately, I didn't feel super connected to the products. Um, and so that was, you know, like why it, I didn't feel like I had a super passion for them. But I will say there are a lot of other great things that they that they do from from um, like a culture standpoint. Um, and so like, I, I really do give them props for, for being really, really a, a good company in, in terms of, you know, the CPG world. But uh, no, I was not responsible for the sugar. And I definitely didn't really drink the, <laughs> the naked juices. I, I, I hope not. Uh, I hope not, Victoria. And I'm not trying to press you on this issue. Yeah, but no. of course, I, I would like, uh, yeah. but, but I'm going to just for a second is just do this. Uh, it, you said, they were the good guys in the CPG world or something like that. It's almost, and I don't really know, but I, I take like Procter and Gamble and the big consumer yeah, packaged goods companies at face value a little bit. And I just look at the chemicals or look at the sugar oh, or whatever yeah. that they're putting in. I'm like, okay, none of this is good. It must no, be no. all evil. And I know it's not all evil and and big companies like Walmart uh this is a little bit of a, a tangent but everybody disses dish, on on Walmart and these big companies however they have one thing that they have done right there was an interview i heard i think it was with chris saka he's a, a legendary a billionaire venture investor and he had a job uh, at Google in the early days and they were going to work with Walmart and he said, oh my God, this is going to be, this is horrible. Walmart is just the uh, the scum of the earth or, or whatever. <laughs> and again, yeah. I'm not speaking about the people uh, at right. these companies, but just the corporate monster in general that mm -hmm. people do fall in into. Uh, but uh, Larry and, and Sergey, the co-founders of Google, looked at Walmart and you said they said are you kidding they have done amazing work on supply chain management and efficiency and you know if you want to say you know if you want to save the planet and I'm not saying Walmart's saving the planet by <laughs> any means but you better start to solve problems and get smart engineers working on supply chain and like mm -hmm. I, I, I like I really love the service that Amazon provides, right? For right. example, and yeah, there are probably going to be some issues uh, with them buying Whole Foods and how that's going to affect the supply chain of, of mm -hmm. all these organic foods. But it, it's very interesting uh, to kind of look at, at that. So, but when you were at Pepsi, I, I'm curious, mm -hmm. was that because you said, uh, you know, you had to. You just didn't want to do it on the marketing side anymore. Mm -hmm. And on the engineering side, you mentioned that you liked uh, or that you said looking back on it, they were pretty cool projects. But at the time, I don't know if you said you dreaded it, but it kind yeah. of sounded like it. Could, could you address that a little yeah. bit and maybe that you weren't aligned with exactly yep. who you were? Uh, yeah, talk I think about I have, that I think I have a perfect way to sum it up for please, you. So please. what I ultimately felt like was – I liked the solving of the problems of like, how do I make X and get it to Y and then do Z, you know, how, how do I solve all these like problems on producing something and getting it somewhere? Um, the One of the cool things I got to work on was sort of helping to build the supply chain um, 
of our coconut water brands, which are produced in Southeast Asia and then transported to the U.S. And so I, you know, helped uh, kind of design that system with a, with a team, of course, not by myself. Um, and then uh, I was in charge of the supply of our coconut water for a couple of years. And um, the thing that I, so, so the actual solving of the problems at the beginning was interesting. Then after a while, it was like, okay, we're just solving the same problems over and over in slightly different ways. But the point being, I felt like I was solving interesting problems just to move sugar water around. And it like it would have been more interesting if I was solving those problems to get medicine to sick kids in Africa. So sure. I just kind of got to the point where I was like, all right, these problems are interesting to solve. And I'm sure they need to be solved in lots of other ways. And and maybe that's still something I want to do in the future. I don't know for sure. But I ultimately just didn't feel like it was for me that it was worth um, the the solving those exact problems because I just didn't feel passionate about what it was that I was moving around. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. No, absolutely. And now you're focused yeah. on more local. You're focused on local uh -huh. foods and healthy foods, and yep. uh, local supply chains are, are are very very important. And how does the farmer get his product sure. to the sir, to the people who need them? Where it's way easier for someone just to fire up uh, Instacart and get it delivered, and you're sure. not in control really of where those where that food is coming from. But could we, could you give us a little look into big food? Uh, yeah. Because, I, so I think a lot about food because, well, I spend a lot of time eating just like everybody <laughs> listening <too. laughs> to this. And so I, I think a lot about it and I, I'm really as conscious as I can be about what I put into my body. And uh, as you said, how sustain, you know, how sustainable that is. Yeah. But if, if you're talking about coconuts and I'm not sure uh, coconut uh, water and I'm not sure which coconut water comes from Pepsi maybe mm -hmm. you could remind us but yeah there's one for example a, a big brand that gets their coconuts from Thailand and mm -hmm. I'm only imagining what these farms could look like and how they where they produce it and how it gets to the United States it's, <laughs> And into on, on our the back hands. Of a water, on the back of a water buffalo. I am not kidding when I tell you that. That's for real. <laughs> could you could you walk us through yes, that supply chain for a minute so we know where I, we're getting our food from? I will. So here's here's what I'll say really quickly because you mentioned this a little while ago, and I just want to get back to it. When I say that I think Pepsi was pretty good, I, you know, I'm not like a, a a super authority on on any of this stuff. You know, this is just me and my opinion, and it's not so much that I believe like oh you know, Pepsi was so great and so ethical, but because I'm sure there's lots of people out there that would disagree with that. And I, in fact, you know, disagree with that in certain ways. But what I will say is that I felt like in the parts of the company I worked in, which often were most of the time I worked in sort of the emerging brands, right? So like the naked and it was O&E coconut water and naked juice coconut water, which were the ones PepsiCo owns. And Pepsi was very conscious that it needed to be fair trade, so that was really big, which okay. means that, yeah, so the products were fair trade certified. So that meant that um, a certain portion of the profits um, went back to the farmers and then they got to choose what they did with that to better their uh, their farming situation. Um, and, and, you know, as a big company, they're under a lot of scrutiny to, to show how they're reducing their carbon footprint to... Um, 
show how they're promoting, you know, gender equality in the workplace. Uh, we have a, a um, an Indian woman who, as the CEO. She's been um, the CEO of PepsiCo for quite a while, and and so that was, you know, there was a big push um, for for that. And so, anyways, that's what I mean in terms of like where I felt like they were actually doing a really good job. They had. Um, you know, with everything that's coming out in the last couple of months, right, with like sexual harassment in the workplace, there, there, we had sexual harassment training, everyone did, we had a, a speak up line that you could call anonymously at any time to, you know, say if you were uncomfortable, people had um, cards on their desk that said safe zone, you know, I mean, all these things. So as a culture, I just felt very much like they, it was a safe space for sure. But so anyways, getting back to the, um, the, the supply chain piece. So yeah, I actually, we produced, um, in Southeast Asia and a couple of locations. So I got to go over there <clears throat> for a few weeks and meet with some of the, uh, the manufacturers. And we, yeah, so the process is literally a guy climbs up. Well, I, you know, it's different at every location. Some places they have like this really long pole that's made out of bamboo that basically has like a machete type thing at the top and they like smack the coconuts down. Um, at other places, literally they like climb up the tree barefoot and knock the coconuts down, um, literally put them on the back of a, you know, cart that's being plowed by a water buffalo. Right. Wow. Um, and then, and then, you know, taken to, um, taken to a, a plant where, where the water is, is extracted and, you know, goes through, a, um, a process of, um, you know, of being, um, uh, packaged and, and everything. And then the other really cool thing is that a lot of our manufacturers or our co-packers, um, part, partly because it was reducing their carbon footprint, but I think, um, also in large part because it was a, a profit, they use the whole coconut. So they're not just throwing those husks out or the skin out. They were, you know, once they take the water out, they're actually using the rest of the coconut meat for, you know, shaved coconut, all those kind of products that people buy, right? Coconut chips, all that sort of stuff. And then they use the skin and the husks to make activated charcoal. So the whole nut really was being used, which was, which was great. That I appreciated great. that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, um, yeah, it was, it, so that's really the process. And then, and then obviously it has to come to the United States, which <laughs> uses a lot of fuel. So, I mean, it definitely isn't like eating local, right? That's not what it is. There's still a huge carbon footprint because it has to go from Southeast Asia to the United States to consume it. Um, and that's obviously, uh, not, not ideal. Um, but again, I, I think for me and all of this, it's about being conscious because you just said something interesting. You said you think about food a lot and a lot about like where it's sourced. And you said, I think about food a lot because I consume food all the time, which like most listeners is true. But I think that the big thing that's different about maybe the way you're experiencing it and the way most people are experiencing it is that sure, we all eat three meals a day. You know, we all consume about the same amount of food, but a lot of people aren't thinking about it. They're just kind of on autopilot eating whatever. And even maybe they're thinking they're eating healthfully and sustainably for themselves, but not really giving a whole lot of thought to what's the chain reaction, you know, of what I'm eating. And I think it's, it's hard. It's really hard to, to, um, to think about every bite you take and every food you choose. And while I certainly, I mean, if you can do that, great, do it. While I don't necessarily think people have to scrutinize every, every morsel, I think it's important to just become aware. 
And so, for instance, for me, I know we talked about this when we were together. I make my own almond milk every week. And I know that there's there's a lot of a lot of information out there that I'm very uh, well aware of about how it's um, not the most sustainable nut because most almonds, I don't know, it's like 90 something percent are produced in California and they use um, quite a bit of water. I mean, not nearly as much water as like a cow to produce a pound of, you know, cow's meat, but they do uh, for a nut or a plant, they take a lot of water to grow and California is often in a drought. And so the high demand of almonds, you know, can put a strain on, on the water supply. Um, I do believe that ultimately from an environmental standpoint, from what I understand at this point, it's still a better option to put that in my coffee than the, and, you know, make it myself. Um, especially cause I make like a fairly small amount and I only use it for coffee. That's, that's my sole purpose. Um, as opposed to using cow's milk. So, you know, I think it's about being aware, taking the steps in the right direction, you know, and then we're all going to have to find where, where we settle in from a moral standpoint, from a health standpoint, um, you know, what makes the most sense for you. But I think it's just that first step of, like you said, starting to be aware of where does this come from? Like what's happening when I eat it, you know, for my own sustainable health and for the health of, of whatever, whatever it is that you care about. If it's, um, sustainability from a climate change perspective, or maybe you care about animal cruelty. Um, you know, there's a plethora of issues out there that food, that food affects. That's great. And and thank you for shedding a little light on the fair trade certifications and yeah. that these products are pretty good, pretty good products. I mean, yeah, sure. The uh, palm plantations and I'm not yeah. talking about yeah. palm oil, you know, this is all monoculture and it's uh, it, it's very it's tough on the land. And, and sure, a lot of these areas needed to be clear cut to plant the palm trees and all that. And we could dig into the environmental yeah. issues all, all, all day, of course. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah, is important <laughs> to, to note that these uh, like coconuts are, are overall really pretty damn good for you. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the coconut meat, super healthy. And the um, activated charcoal, yeah, people can, you know, that that, that can help a lot of people yeah, consuming that. And so, yep. yeah, those are all good points. And I, just like you said, it's very important to become conscious of where this comes from because you can look at a uh, coconut water that has come from a massive coconut plantation and, mm -hmm. all right, maybe this coconut water isn't as nutritious as the one that was grown on this small farm where mm -hmm. it was in the, you know, where it was basically in the jungle and the crops had been rotated properly instead of right. ba being on the same land for 30 years and sucking mm -hmm. up all the nutrients. And now you're, you're drinking a very empty coconut water uh, with not very many nutrients. So obviously Absolutely. there's tons of nu nuances that we could get into. But to try to prime people on how they can be a little bit more aware, um, could we actually start with beef a little bit? And I know people yeah. are probably going to roll their eyes because you know why? Because beef is delicious. I it love, is. I love it. I, I love, love it. it. Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm not hating. I'm not hating on the deliciousness of it. And um uh, and, and it was, it's, it's only been since this February that I have massively reduced it from my life. I'm not saying that I will never eat a cheeseburger again, or that I don't occasionally, you know, uh, consume cheese or whatever, but it's, it's something that I've tried to, I, I no longer cook, 
uh, cook with it at home. Like I no longer That's make great. it sort of red meat at home. I no longer really keep cheese at home. Luckily, my husband is one of those weird people who doesn't like cheese anyways. So like that was pretty easy. <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I try to choose other things when I'm out. Of course, occasionally you're somewhere and it's the only thing and okay, fine. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. So the big thing that, that changed my mind or that was sort of like the first, the first thing that I was like, oh boy, I gotta just stop was, uh, was at the beginning of this year, we were actually, we took a delayed honeymoon. So we got married last October. We went to Southeast Asia actually for our honeymoon in February. And on the plane ride there, of course, it's like a million hours. So we watched a lot of movies and we watched uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, climate change movie. I think it's called Before the Flood. And there was one, um, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure if he was a scientist or a farmer. I, I forget exactly what his background was. And it was a really short blurb, but he just, he said, um, you know, the biggest thing that anyone could do from a just like single person making an impact on the environment, you know, the, the one single thing you could do is if you just cut out red meat, if everyone just cut out red meat, the implications would be massive. And I don't even know if he qualified it at that point when I heard it. I don't even know if it was qualified with like a specific number or metric. It might have been maybe that's what caught my eye but or caught my ear. But I just suddenly realized like, wow, if I could just do that one thing, which is not hard, it seems like it's hard. It just is not that hard that, wow, I could at least just feel really good that I am doing my part to be more sustainable. And so then I started looking into it and the statistics are crazy. So, um, for instance, if you um, if you cut out eating one pound of red meat, the water that that saves is six months worth of showers. <laughs> one that's pound insane. of red meat. I know. Um, and that's just like from a water perspective, right? And I, I think I read this article too um, that was called, the headline was something about like if everyone swapped, you know, beef for beans or, or whatever, that, uh, you know, so many legumes and beans are grown to feed, um, uh, or, and wheat, et cetera, are grown to feed cows and then the cows feed us. But it was like, if we could just cut that, I mean, the cows are basically middlemen, right? Like if we could just cut that out, we wouldn't be, we would just be consuming these, you know, um, uh, the grains and everything that's grown to feed them. And if we did all cut out eating red meat or even just reduced it. That was the big part is that this, this article said, even if we just reduced it, so maybe you ate it once a week or once every couple of weeks that, um, that we could reach at least half, if not like 70% of our, um, emission reduction goals. And so it just, you know, I've read all these things that are just like, gosh, regardless of if you agree or don't agree that red meat or dairy is good for you to eat. I, I personally, you know, I don't feel awful when I eat it, but I feel a little like, Ugh. um, but even if it's just for the sustainability factor, you know, it's just, it's so impactful. No, I, I think, uh, that's a great way to look at it. And stats can be, uh, misleading. I haven't seen mm -hmm. this, uh, this documentary that came out, uh, what the health I, I have not, I haven't seen it either. I have... Very mixed, very mixed reviews. Well, I heard so many, well, the, the, 
doctors and the biohackers and all these people who are very scientific. I've read a couple of reviews of it by them where they just said this was such an unscientific film yeah. that was yeah. really it was really propaganda for mm -hmm. uh, cruelty to animals. And, and I don't think I don't believe that we should be cruel to animals, but I also think that we should be truthful and uh, and show people both sides of the story. But that being said, so do you know, is that that statistic about the amount of water that a cow needs? Uh, uh -huh. Is that because they're feeding the cows legumes and wheat? Yeah, I believe it's a combination. Again, I'm not like an absolute authority, but from what the things I've read, I think it's a combination of, you know, you have to backtrack everything. So for a cow to survive, they have to eat X pounds of that wheat or those grains or those legumes, and those all take water to produce. And then ultimately the cow is eating that, and then they're releasing, you know, every time they eat and chew and process food, they're re releasing methane, um, which is which is um, a, a massive, massive source of, um, uh, of, of, of these climate change issues and global, global warming, et cetera. Um, and, and and then also just the amount of land that they take up and then even the probably just water that they consume. Uh, and then I think there's probably also, you know, water that's used in in the process of uh, of butchering and cleaning and packaging. I mean, I just I, you know, there's obviously water that that comes into play um, in that in that realm. So, yeah, I think I think it's a combination of of water that the actual cow uses, but then also the water that's used to produce the food that the cows are going to eat when in reality, we could just eat that food. <laughs> uh, of course. And uh, I always, you know, try to point out to people that it's not about what you eat. It's more, I mean, yeah, it is, it is about what you eat, <laughs> but it's also about what your food ate. And, yeah, and this, exactly. this includes plants too. So if mm -hmm. your plants ate a bunch of chemicals and fertilizers, uh, and you know, we're, yeah, you, you get it. So, yep. uh, and yeah, that, that's so important to look at, but also, you know, cows should be eating grass. That's why grass fed, fed beef yeah. is so important these days or so marketed, let's call it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah so and, <laughs> but it's also really big in, in, uh, for people who pay attention to health and paleo eating and this right. kind of stuff that, yeah, the, the cow should be eating grass. But then some of the other things that, that you hear, like you can, when you go through Costa Rica, you can see just mountain after mountain after mountain that have been destroyed by cattle, which are grazing yeah. on, on grass. On grass, which like God. takes water to grow. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then it's, you know, it just destroys all of the, all of the land. So there's tons of issues yeah. um, with that. Okay. You touched on, you touched on, on almonds a little bit. God, I've given yeah. you a hard, a hard time <laughs> in our, our short No, couple. but I'm cool with that because you know what the thing is? It's all about just thinking a little bit more critically. And I think that's where like my engineering mind comes into play is that like we just don't think a whole lot before we make these idle decisions to like pop something in our mouth or, you know, to get even, we don't have to go this deep, but like to just put on chemical laden lotion and, you know, putting deodorant. On. I mean, all of these things that like, I'm, I'm not saying everyone needs to like stop doing all of this, but you know, all of these things that we go through life on autopilot. And my, my goal is to just bring some of that make it just a little bit more accessible to become aware of it because it's hard. Not everyone's going to pay attention to every step they take, everything they do, every 
item of clothing they buy. But if you just started paying attention to some of it, you might realize that it's actually not that hard these days because, because the demand is there to buy clothes that are made by companies that either have, you know, great sustainability missions or give back some of their proceeds. I mean, almost every company has to do that now, right? So there's just this way of, you know, food and beyond of becoming just more conscious and aware that your actions have impact. And every, I don't remember, was this in our episode? Did you say this? I don't remember who said this. Maybe it was you. I don't know. That every, um, every time you purchase something, you make a transaction, you're, you're casting a vote for whatever, you know, for sustainability, for, sure. uh, for whatever. And so that, so that's kind of where, where I see all of this is just, but making it approachable for people, because it's a lot to just be like, Oh, climate change is a problem. Like figure out how to not add to it. <laughs> you know, no, I, that's not easy for the right, re- for a regular person. No one wants to spend time doing that. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah. Ra- uh, Raj and I had that conversation okay, when yeah. he came to Belize on one of our under 30 experiences trips. And I was talking to the travelers about, yeah, we try to be very careful with who we use as vendors because we need to mm-hmm. vote in our dollars with our dollars, especially right. in a place in Belize, like Belize that has such a fragile ecosystem where they have the second largest barrier reef in the world and you know the the oceans are are dying and it's so important to be able to protect those and uh you know have sustainable tourism as well (laughs) what i do for a living so yeah i I, that that is uh yeah we did have that conversations and uh and i've noticed a couple times here i want to point out again because i do my fair share of dogging on uh, corporate america but Uh you you've pointed out uh that with massive scrutiny on companies and with uh really close attention and huge investment into Mm -hmm. supply chain management and efficiency you're going to use all parts of the coconuts, you know, it's it's important uh, to do that. And what you said about uh, the demand being there, one of the most critical things, in my opinion, is that we continue to support the organic farmers and the small companies who are making the, uh, the things that we want to consume, because as the demand grows, of course, uh, with just economies of scale, Mm -hmm. then the price is going to come down on these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, as okay, now we're producing thousands and thousands of whatever widget that is Mm -hmm. sustainably made and that we want. Yeah, the price is going to come down on these on these things. So it really is voting with your dollars. Okay, you're voting, you're capitalizing these companies who you want to vote to win. So, yeah. Uh, so it's, this is actually cool because I, I don't know when you're, when this episode is going live, not that it really matters for this, but, um, I'm actually, I should be getting it actually today. Um, my first delivery from this really cool company. I actually, I know a, I went to school with a girl who works there, so I'm doing, um, some partnering with them over the next few months <clears throat> to try it out and, and, uh, you know, share with my, with my community, uh, my experience, but it's called Imp- perfect produce. And they are, they're already in LA, San Francisco, like maybe Portland and Seattle, something like that, mostly West coast. And they are starting in Chicago now. And what they do is they take 
imperfect produce. So like not good looking produce, things that are like lemons and whatever that are like a little wonky looking that a grocery store is like, oh, that's not perfect. I don't want to, you know, I'm, I don't want to put that in my store. And a lot of that stuff ends up becoming food waste, like millions and millions and millions of pounds of food waste. And what they do with that is they take that um, product and they sell it, um, at half the price. And it's or uh, they have conventional and they also have organic. So for instance, I went in, I picked out my medium-sized organic box and I got to choose the other day everything that was going to come in it and then it's going to um you know, they deliver it to me uh locally here and it comes from local farmers as well. And um and then yeah, I've got my my local produce and um I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, probably a little imperfect, but I'm really excited to try that out because I think that's another, another big thing that I I mentioned at the beginning is, you know, even if you aren't ready to give up red meat, um, and even if you aren't ready to, to pay attention to where every single thing comes from, at least the one thing you can start doing is like, stop throwing so much food out, buy what you need to make what you're going to make for the week, you know, which takes a little bit of planning. Um, you know, don't just buy a million things and then be like, oh, well, whatever I don't use, I'll just toss, uh, you know, get better at freezing things. I've like found that, um, you know, I'm much better at freezing things now and, and actually forcing myself to, to use them <laughs> going through the freezer every once in a while and using those things up. Um, and then just getting creative about like, oh, how can I use, um, the ends of, you know, these big leaves of spinach that I wouldn't otherwise use. Like, what could I do with those? No, maybe I'll toss them in a pasta, you know? Um, so there's just, there's ways that, that you can, that you can, again, be more mindful and and make an impact, you know, without having to be so drastic, at least to start. That's great. And Victoria, I love the idea of imperfect produce. I read Mm -hmm. a very good, I believe, National Geographic article where they went into tremendous detail on why your bananas don't need to be perfectly yellow right. because going right. to nature, your your bananas are going to be a little bit imperfect. Uh, if your fruit looks too good to be true, too mm, large, probably is. yeah, <laughs> too round, too perfectly colored, there's probably uh, it's probably not very natural. Mm-hmm. So something something else to to really consider is there any what else besides uh, while we've gone down that rabbit rabbit Mm -hmm. hole i think we should talk about a little bit okay beef of course and god i can't i can't help but sprinkle in and and remind people that they don't need as much protein as they as they thought as that's a big one too that's a big Um, one uh, we'll and let, not only that, yeah. not only that, but that there is a lot of protein in plant-based, like even like um, dark leafy greens actually have a lot of protein in them. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, but we've been so conditioned mm-hmm. to to know uh, or, or to to think that we need, uh, yeah, we need lot. Somebody, you know, somebody mentioned lean protein uh, on my mm-hmm. podcast, and I didn't call them out on it, and I wow. thought. <laughs> But, you know, I can't, I'm not the guy at the dinner table who someone says lean protein and I'm like, hey, that's that, that's a fallacy. <laughs> you know, actually what you yeah. need to be eating is healthy fats. What's wrong with you? You know right, what I right, mean? Right. Like I'm not that guy. So I, like I let them slide. That, like the it. people that only eat the egg whites. <laughs> right. No, you yeah. miss it. D- dude, you're <laughs> missing the, the best part. Right. <laughs> yeah. The little yellow, that's the bullseye. Throw mm-hmm. out the egg whites and... Because you don't need that protein. So uh, anything else we can prime people on uh, that maybe a couple couple rapid fire things that you could Mm. prime people on as far as uh, foods that they should be thinking a little bit more critically about? Um, 
Well, from like a health standpoint, sugar. Sure. Get rid of it just if you can. But at the same time, I've seen this misconception or I've seen this commented. Okay, so you know, like uh, Insta- the, in the world of Instagram food, I'm like quite ingrained in that world, obviously. And because I've gone through doing some weeks of fully eating, eating vegan, I've, you know, now I see like all vegan food on my feed. You know, that is you like start hashtagging things and that's all that shows up. Um, so I see lots of beautiful vegan bowls of food, which is great. I ultimately am not a full a full time vegan. Um, although I, I I would like to be, but actually eating legumes isn't, doesn't feel wonderful in my body. Like I just, I always feel a little heavy. Uh, but anyways, regardless, the, the thing that, that I wanted to point out about sugar is that for me, I truly believe if it's plant-based and mother nature made it, it's probably pretty good for you besides like poison ivy. Don't eat poison ivy. Um, but so what I've seen a lot is like, you know, people post these beautiful, huge, bountiful bowls of fruit and of these, uh, vegan organic, like clean bowls of fruit, you know, these smoothie bowls that have like really nice organic ingredients in them, not ones that are full of, uh, added sugar. And then I've seen people commenting saying, Oh, that's way too much sugar. You, that's probably not good for you. I don't believe that plant-based sugars are like bad for you and are going to, yeah, sure. If you eat like a pound of raspberries, you're not going to feel good because if you eat a pound of anything, you're not going to feel good. But I think that there's just a lot of misconception, um, especially people who pay a lot of attention to carbohydrates and being nervous about, you know, plant-based foods, uh, like potatoes or sweet potatoes or fruits that are sweet being a lot of carbs and staring away from that. I think ultimately at the end of the day, how many people do you know that eat a fully plant and vegetable based diet that are like wildly obese? None. You probably know none. So, you know, I think it's just, that's a really important thing to keep in mind that like added sugar, cut it out. Like if you, you know, just it's, you're going to feel so much better not doing it. And then don't worry so much about, um, you know, the over the quote unquote overeating of, of those kind of natural sweeteners, if you will. Um, so that's one thing. I don't know if that's so much sustainability from an environmental standpoint, that's more just like body physical sustainability. Um, I think it's also important to identify, causes that you care about. And again, I think we talked about this in the episode with you. I had recently read about this this newfound uh, category of anxiety called eco-anxiety, and I totally feel it. And I think you said you do too, right? And And a lot of people do. But maybe you don't. Like maybe you're just a person who's like, I care about the world, but like, it doesn't give me anxiety. Okay. But maybe you feel like animal cruelty is really not you know, is is like a terrible thing. So I think it's important to, from a, from a, an ethical and moral standpoint to be really clear on what it is that you care about and then allow that mindfulness to kind of flow from there. And it might change and doors might open and doors might close, but I think that's an easy place for people to start. You know, if they're like, I don't even know where to start, I would say start there. Like, what do you care about? And then how are you making choices that, impact those things that's that's really wise advice victoria now i want to maybe take a second where we can zoom out and reframe for people about how they can start to see things in a positive light rather than going around and i'm one of those people like you said (laughs) i get a little of that eco anxiety and i you know you said the word ingrained (laughs) And I said, Oh, God, I don't eat grains. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So I but I know that I'm a little bit over the top on this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, 
I, I have good, you know, I have good reason uh, to be over the top and, and lots of scientific evidence. But a lot of my friends look at me and they're like, all right, man, come on. I, I know you're a little crazy about this, but <laughs> I don't want to walk around with the dark cloud over my head and yeah. thinking that everything is doom and gloom and that the, the planet is going to burn up where, where okay, it very may, uh, it, it very well might burn <laughs> up, but... How can we reframe uh, this a little bit for people? Because I, I certainly don't think that you start a yoga class with doom and gloom. I don't no, think anybody no. would ever want to come back. So could you help people with that a little bit? Yeah. So before I actually get into that, it's ironic that you just said about the dark cloud hanging over your head. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm the worst person to give advice on what you're asking me, but when I was like a kindergarten or preschool, my mom, who's like a super cheerful person, picked me up from school one day. And I, by the way, I'm like, uh, well, this will explain it. She picked me up from school one day and she was all happy and cheery. And she asked me how my day was. And apparently she's told me this many times. I just looked at her and I said, you're like sunshine and I'm a dark cloud. Oh no. <laughs> I know. So to let you know, that's kind of my natural tendency too, is to be like a little bit dark and a little bit heavy and uh, tightly wound. <laughs> so that being said, um, I definitely, like a lot of people have the, um, have this, the tendency to, to get really anxious and negative about these kind of things. But I think what's helping me is taking action. Because when you do start to take action, you have something that you can look back at and say, okay, I'm doing something. And that makes me, that takes a little weight off my shoulders. And it might not be that everyone around you can do something, but the more that you, you know, the more that you take part and become actful and become mindful, you might notice a shift in other people, you know, just by telling them about it, um, by encouraging your friends or your family to to do these little simple things. So I think the biggest the biggest thing that everyone can think about and remember is that you only have control over your own actions. My mom used to always say that, that like you don't have control over other people. The only thing you can do is control your your own action, your own reaction. And so if you really start to take control of that, um, from you know this standpoint of making choices that are conscious and mindful, you know I think you can find a little bit of peace, uh, even if you're the kind of person that doesn't that that doesn't come naturally to. That's awesome. And uh, you, uh, first of all, I would not have ever thought that you were the doom and gloom kid. <laughs> I know, a, I know, I am. A I'm little sure bit. everybody tells you that. Like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I did not. Definitely didn't see that coming. But has. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's what's helped you? Of course, you said to take to take action, but I'm I'm curious what has if yoga has helped you? Yeah. Uh, if that kind of seeing things for what they are and becoming more conscious about things. Maybe you just see things for how they are, and then it's then it's pretty pretty bad out there. But has has yoga helped you with that at all, or meditation? It has. It has. I'm, uh, I'm far, far, far from perfect as my husband would quite attest to. But uh, in terms of like not being anxious and letting, you know, things bother me. But what I feel like yoga has done the most for me at this point, and you know, yoga is a is a lifelong practice, right? Um, but what I feel like so far it's done for me is it's really helped me to stop thinking so much about uh, it's, it's helped me to stop wishing my life away. And what I mean by that is I used to just kind of live 
every day wishing for it to be some day in the future. Whether that was like, oh, I can't wait for like this meeting to be over. I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for the weekend. I can't wait for that trip next month. I can't wait for, you know, next year when like X, Y, and Z happens. And uh, that's sad <laughs> because you've only got one life. And so for me, I think what yoga and sort of my shift in lifestyle, you know, of course there are those times you're sitting on a really long plane ride and you're like, I can't wait till this is over. But for the most part, I think it's helped me to just be more appreciative of each. I don't want to be like, Oh, I wake up each day and I'm like so happy to be on earth. Like that's not me, but <laughs> I do. And if that's you, awesome. But, um, for you listeners out there, good on you. But, um, but it has helped me to just like appreciate that each day like has some sort of value in my life and that I, that I'm, in a good phase and that I'm not trying to rush past it. So I don't know if that really answers your question of like how, how it gives me peace or helps with my anxiety, but, uh, it does, it does in a certain way. It helps, it, it helps me to control my breathing and my nervous system to some extent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a practice. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and that's why they call it practicing, but that, yeah. that answers, that answers my, my question. Absolutely. Being more present has, mm -hmm. has helped you in that way. Uh, you mentioned about, uh, some people out there saying, oh, I'm so happy to be on earth <laughs> every single day. Now, what about gratitude practices where you can literally repeat these things? And if you do, I mean, I'm not saying that you should just fake it until it find or keep saying yeah. these things until it comes true, but trying. Sometimes to, that works. Yeah. Try, <laughs> but, but trying to be more grateful for the little things. Do you have a gratitude practice or, or anything that you do like that? No, I actually don't. Um, I've thought about doing it a few times and to, truth be told, I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but I do, um, I, but I, I'm, I am altogether more mindful um, and appreciate it uh, and more appreciative. Yeah, I don't. I can't say that there's like a specific practice on how I do that, but I do know. Oh, of course, there are times when I'm a brat and I'm <laughs> not appreciative for what I have. We all we're all allowed to have those days, uh, those moments. But on the whole, I do. I do feel, I do feel more, more gratitude. And I, I unfortunately can't say that I have a specific practice to do that, but you know, I think that comes in waves and it comes with time. And for some people that kind of gratitude practice is really helpful. I've heard a few different versions of it. Um, one that I actually do really like that I, that I've heard of that's cool is instead of necessarily writing down uh, or documenting or saying over and over the things you're grateful for, because that can, uh, it can be a little challenging to come up with new ones every day. And like after a while, like my dog, my dog, my dog, you know, can like, I'm grateful for my dog can get a little old, <laughs> but, um, but I've heard about the idea of writing down the things that are like wins in your life that are positive things. Cause it can be really easy to only be like, Oh, I didn't close this deal. I didn't make this food. I didn't, you know, get, you know, that guy, that person didn't want to go on a date with me, whatever. Like the things that are like losses. Um, but if at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, however you want to do it, if you can just write down the things that are like going well, um, sure. I've heard that that really works well. Like, Oh, but I, I did do this and I did do that. So that's something that I focus a little bit on. I don't have like a, a, a daily practice of it, but, um, on, you know, with some regularity, what, especially what I'm feeling 
I'm not doing enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I try to think about, okay, but let's think about all the things you have accomplished in the last month, whatever, write them down. And then you're like, oh, all right, there are some good things I've done or some like good things to be grateful for. Uh, absolutely. And Victoria, I think that there is a lot that you've done that sounds really <laughs> great after listening to uh, well, to this to this conversation. So, uh, of course, I'm sure you have a long list, whether you uh, remember to write them down <laughs> or not. Uh, what, one of the things I, I wanted to mention that might be helpful to people who are listening who uh, struggle with this, you know, mm -hmm. just like anybody is actually if you're trying to become more conscious of food and also practice the gratitude, I actually combine them. And mm. before I sit down for dinner or no, when I sit down for dinner and, and if I'm with a big group of people, of course, I might only take one <laughs> small breath or, or one deep breath and then begin to eat my food or just have that little moment of, moment. of trying to center myself where, you know, I might not pray, you know, ask my friends to join hands and, and <laughs> yeah. say grace, right? Uh, it might seem a little old fashioned in our in our culture mm -hmm. to do that. But if I'm sitting there by myself, or if I'm with my girlfriend, we'll have a, a practice of, okay, yeah, like, well, giving thanks. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. it does make some sense. But one of the things that I like to do is Thank the little farmer who grew this, uh, who, who grew this plant that we're about to eat, or or recognize the person who brought it all the way to the farmer's market, or mm -hmm. you know, be really grateful. I have an old truck in in Costa Rica, and I like to be really grateful that it didn't break down on the hour long <laughs> yeah. drive to the organic farmer's market, and uh, you know, just trying to mention those little wins of of the day or of the meal. Uh, is really cool. And I, I've noticed that I, I really do. I enjoy my food more if I'm frame. It's like a, a frame of reference for eating my food. Cause you know, when you're all anxious and you're constricted and your mm -hmm. intestines feel all twisted up and you know, it's hard to sit and enjoy your food. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah, taking a couple deep breaths and, and just being thankful has, has helped me. Um, Victoria, I know that that we need to uh, wrap things up here in a minute. And this has been a, a fascinating conversation and we're going to yeah. link up a lot of the things that we talked about today that uh, imperfect produce I'd like to link mm -hmm. up uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's documentary before mm -hmm. the flood is not one that I've seen. So I'm, Oh, it's I'm good. Excited. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little doomsday. Like you're going to be a little depressed after. So also plan to like do something uplifting after. But. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or, or go and take action. Like you yeah, said, and exactly. hopefully it'll be motivating, uh, but we'll try to link a bunch of that stuff up on the under 30 experiences blog for everyone in the show notes. Um, but before you leave us, Victoria, if, if you had a piece of advice for everybody who uh, is out there listening and saying, wow, I really wish that I could go out and take action, uh, be an activist for a cause that I care in, what would you tell them? Do it. Um, I know that sounds like so simple, right? Nike, just do it. But that was kind of the one of the catalysts for how I got started was just, I was complaining and complaining. And finally, my husband was like, I'm not listening to your complaining anymore. Go do something about it. Go volunteer, go donate, go whatever. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I was able to do some of those things like volunteer and donate, but 
that can start to sound really restricting. And I'm like, oh, I don't have the money or I don't have the time. So that's why also for me, I think it's so important to tell people or help people understand that you can make those really small, impactful changes by the food you choose or the products you choose to buy. So I, I think the biggest thing is just if you're feeling anxious about it, do something. And it doesn't have to be the big thing or the end all thing that you end up becoming passionate and devoting your time and life to. But just pick something small um, and do that. You know, there's tons of um, as I've as I've gotten a little bit more involved and learning a little bit more about my community and some of the politics and things going on. Um, there's oh, th- this is another one. If you're interested in just getting to be a little bit more political or active in your um, uh, in the choices that your Congress people and your senators make, uh, because I think that's really important for people to get involved. There's a there are a, dump, a bunch of different um, apps and. Uh, programs that help you do that. One that I get is called Daily Action. And I, I, at some point, I can send you like the the link to how you do it. But you just text like five digits to some phone number. And every day you get a daily action. And it's it's very simple. It's like, you know, call your senator and, you know, um, tell them you don't want X, Y, and Z. And then it, it gives you uh, a whole page um, uh, to read on reference of like why, and then you just tap the number, you call it, and it um, it explains a little bit more to you about the topic, and then it directs you right to your congressperson's office or your senator's office. And so, uh, anyway, that's like a, another really easy one if you're trying to like be a little bit more involved politically. That's that's a great one. Uh, and then there's other apps called like there's one called Countable, which I get like emails every time one of my representative votes on something, um, so you can just see. Um, so yeah, those, those are a couple of ways, but just do something. <laughs> Hell yeah, that that sounds great. Uh, yeah. Just do it. Look at that. Corporations aren't all bad. They're spreading positive uh, actions and and even better. We have these apps now that we can use to be able to take action easily and more efficiently. So I'm so glad that we have smart engineers like yourself working (laughs) on these challenges. It's just really, really important and creating better efficiencies in our world. Uh, Victoria, I highly recommend people go out and check out Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast, of course, with my friend Raj and your blog is Almonds and Asana. Could you give everybody the URL and maybe also your your Instagram or anywhere they can interact with you? I know you have a great Instagram uh, account that I I suggest (laughs) uh, people check out, but uh, where can they find you and, and connect with you? Yeah, everything is is under uh, almonds and asana. So almonds, because I make almond milk every week, and asana is the physical practice of yoga. So that's A-S-A-N-A. Um, and so almonds and, like the word and, asana.com is my blog. And my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, all of those fall under almonds and asana as the, as the handle. Awesome, Victoria. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that past episode. If you are looking to put these things into practice, I invite you to come next July to Peru and Machu Picchu with me and my girlfriend, Luz Garcia, a 1500 hour registered yoga teacher for an amazing retreat that we are putting on. If you would like more information, check out under30experiences.com and find yoga and Peru. Uh, 
we would love to connect with you further. We have some amazing community events coming up on under30experiences.com. And no, uh, you don't just have to be under 30 years of age. We are an inclusive community rather than an exclusive community. And finally, if you are on the same mission as I am, I would love if you shared this episode with a friend, a friend who needs it. If you can support uh, this podcast, that would mean a whole lot to me. Share it, subscribe, leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I would love if you even did it just a little justice and give it a like on our new YouTube channel. Those type of things go a long way uh, in helping other people find great content that is going to help them live happier, healthier lives. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with me, feel free to email me. Give me some feedback, matt at under30experiences.com or hit me up on social media, Matt Wilson TV on just about any social platform. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.